Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. But before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Human Octane. If you're the kind of person who pushes the limit, then you've got to check out Human Octane Apparel. Training and racing apparel designed by OCR athletes and these guys just get it. Everything they make dries lightning fast, has zippered pockets, is abrasion resistant in high contact areas without bulky padding. I've gotten to know these guys and trust me, they're going to out-innovate the competition when it comes to OCR gear. Check them out at humanoctane.com. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, we're back to the Natural Running Network, and guess what? We've got two stars from the recent World's Toughest Mudder fiasco. I'm going to call it a fiasco because anything that goes that long, runs through mud, climbs over hills, shit like that, it's a fiasco. I've got Miguel Medina, my old faithful bird dog supreme, and my Canadian friend, Austin Azar, who is... On the line from another country, and of course, I got Sean Khan. Say hello, guys. What's, What's up, up everyone? Team USA representing. It's not Team USA. It's Team <laughs> US Canada. No, 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 no. See, see, what do Canadians say, Austin? A. <laughs> there you go. Team USA. <laughs> USA. Oh, that's Team perfect. USA. Yeah, that's perfect. Team Team USA. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, never we thought, thought of that on curse we were know, pretty bored by the way <laughs> i you know i mentioned it online that i was really digging the flag you guys made i thought that was really cool that flag's awesome yeah dude that was all chris yeah. mendoza he, he, found that stud. One. He, you know, he came through big time i'll tell you what i think that should be the flag i think we should include canada or canada should include us and we just be collectively USA. <laughs> that would be badass. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I don't know whether that would mess up Canada or Canada would mess us up. Either way, we're kind of tied at the hip anyway, so what's the diff? I think so. How are you guys holding up after your little foray in the desert? Uh, I feel like a million bucks. I've just been eating tons and tons of delicious food and I'm back to back to work in the office. Um, that's, that's about it on my half. I mean, it's, it's been a good, <clears throat> been a good time to start the off season. You know? Austin told me that the reason you're yeah. feeling so good is he carried your ass the whole time. Totally. Yeah. Austin, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just had I him awful. sandbag me. <laughs> you feel awful. <laughs> No, I actually feel pretty good. Uh, my right ankle kind of messed up from when I rolled it on like uh -huh. the third and fourth lap. But um, everything else feels good. I've been eating tons of food. Um, at the WTM after party thing, I weighed myself and I was like 201 from like all the food and gear. <laughs> what did you weigh before you started? Pounds of bacon. Uh, I don't know. I think it went into the race with like 190 or less. 
Jeez Louise. Yeah, 11 pounds of food after an event. That's about right. Uh, yeah. That's impressive. Pretty normal for World Toughest, I think. Yeah. The Vegas buffets. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. man. Well, the breakfast, the, the champion's brunch or whatever, it was just like they didn't have any eggs because they were running out so quick. They just had pounds upon pounds of bacon and just everyone was loading up on bacon. Like, no no qualms about it. It was, it was delicious. You know, I have to tell you this morning, just a little while ago, I made myself a, an egg on a bagel sandwich for breakfast. And never, ever, ever in my house is there bacon. But we went shopping the other day, and I happened to come along, and I said, you know what? I'm buying some freaking bacon. And my wife was getting ready for work, and she had already made her little sorry sandwich that she usually makes. <laughs> and she was, like, smelling this bacon in the house. She's oh, man. I'm like, yeah, right. All by myself, I threw some bacon on mine. And boy, oh, boy, I think I'm going back. It's kind of a pain to cook it, you know? But Wow. Yeah, all that grease. Yeah. But if you're if you're smart, you save the bacon grease and you look use it for cooking later. Oh, that, that's just heinous. That's not good for your body, I don't think. I disagree. <laughs> I think it's good for the soul. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So Austin, what's up for you? The are you got are you gonna have your off season now? Are you done? Yeah, I'm done racing for a while. Um, I haven't planned out what I'm doing for racing next year, but. Um, not probably not going to run for a while. Going to get back into playing hockey and some winter sports. And, hockey, yeah, have a nice break. You play yeah. hockey? Yeah, not competitively anymore, just recreationally for fun. And um, I want to get outside and play more, like get onto lakes and play hockey and outdoor rinks. Tons of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's a contact sport. Yeah, it can be. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I used to work for the L.A. Kings. I, oh, cool. I, I didn't would, know that. I would do the preseason diagnostics for them. I, I did it for like three years in a row, and I went through and did uh, – you know what a Wingate test is? Uh, yeah, I heard it. Yeah, well, you're a hockey player. You should know. Uh, a Wingate test yeah. is a 30-second all-out power test. Um, yeah. you, you get on – it's kind of like a spinning bike. At least the old school bikes, we, yeah. we had had uh, like a little carriage in the front of the wheel. And what you did is you put like 10% of the body weight of the individual on this carriage. And then you just spin the bike as fast as you can. And then you pull a hammer and the, the weight drops on the wheel. And it starts measuring your force production over 30 seconds. And what you're looking for is, of course, peak power. But you're looking for what's called the fatigue index where how, how quickly you start to drop off your power in that 30 seconds. So you talk about something that'll make you want to throw up. That, oh, man, that sounds rough. Yeah, it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's really a heinous thing to do to somebody. It sounds but, like jumping on an assault bike. Player, but I did that for those guys, and then we do aerobic VO2 testing. And then I'd go through 52 professional hockey players in an eight-hour shift, which was absolutely nuts. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'd be hectic. How many of those guys were toothless? A lot of them. A lot of them. <laughs> you know, and then you get, uh, I'm sure that Austin knows because it's it's very rampant in the sport is you get a lot of these, uh, like these Czechs and these Russians and these Swedes, all these guys from Europe. And, you know, they I don't think they wear pads over there. They, they just beat the hell out of each other. 
You see scar, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys with their, their shoulders are all scarred up, teeth knocked out, uh, scars in their face, nose broke. And you know, the guy's 19, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it can be a tough sport. Yeah, it is. It is. But anyway, uh, back to world's toughest mudder, which is also a tough sport. You guys came in second and yes. yep. Let's just, just so I'm clear, you guys clocked collectively like 120 miles. Yeah, we did 120 yeah, okay. miles and right. 504 obstacles. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny to think about in retrospect. Like, wow, that is that is stupid. <laughs> that is a lot of up and down. Well, that was like twenty thousand feet of gain or something. With the, with the staggered start. Did that affect uh, your strategy at all, you know, going into, you know, just the race and whatnot with obstacles opening up, closing and stuff? Um, I mean, our strategy at the beginning was Mark Jones and I going out for the first two laps. So the big thing is just making sure to not get caught up in the in the heat of the moment, you know, and like Team Germany just went out. Well, actually, so, so scratch that. Let me let me go back and say the first lap, everyone on the team has to do it together. So. Team Germany, again, they just went super hard. Like they sprinted off like at a five minute pace and just disappeared. And meanwhile, our four man team and uh, the other team USA, they, we were just kind of like, well, they're going to have a rough time later. So um, for, uh, otherwise, as far as a staggered start is, is concerned, no, I mean, not really, man. We, we just wanted to try and get as many miles as we could in that first hour before things started to open up, you know? Uh, I got a question, Austin. What made you decide to do a team thing? I thought you probably had a bit of a vendetta for just kind of closing the show by yourself. Yeah, I mean, running solo would have been fun again too. But I, I was supposed to do a team last year. I was going to team up with Hunter, um, but he got hurt. Yeah, I remember. Um, and I mean, the team aspect to it. Yeah, that's right. We saw you around that time. Yeah, you did. And uh, the team aspect always really appealed to me, like going out you know, suffering with your friends together, pushing each other as hard as you can, you know, got each other's back um, for 24 hours is way more appealing than, you know, being on your own. I mean, you'd see groups of people, but you're always kind of moving on your own when you're running as a soloist. So the team part is super fun. So collectively, uh, I'm assuming there was a lot of late night decisions in respect to how to approach this race, given that World's Toughest Mudder made some changes in the way they were handing out cash. <clears throat> Did the decision to go to a four-man team part and parcel come from the fact that they uh, kind of squashed that two-man team earning? Yeah, man. I mean, they turned the two-man race into the JV race, so there was kind of no point in really going into that besides just trying to get a, a jacket or something like that. So, you know, I mean, like, it, it comes down to wanting to, to race against the best of the best, you know, and if you take out the, the incentive, it takes the fun out of it. And at the end of the day, I mean, kind of like with that little heartfelt letter that I wrote to TMHQ, hoping to convince them otherwise, um, it, it just kind of felt like it went against the spirit of the event. But it is what it is, man. I mean, we we came together and decided that the relay would be the best choice because we'd get to go up against some fierce competition. We would put together a, a fierce team in and of itself, and we'd have a chance to get to get some cash as well, you know, which is always, always beneficial. <laughs> Yeah, I'd imagine. Austin, you're part of the uh, Spartan Pro Team in Canada, correct? Yeah, it's, yeah, the Spartan Elite Team in Canada. 
who who's on that team aside from you? Josh Stride on there with you? Yep, Josh is on there. Um, Allison Ty, uh, Nick Drillo. There's like ten of us on the team. There's a bunch. Cool. Do they? Uh, I don't know too much about the Canadian application, but do they pretty much handle things the same way as they do with the U.S. team? Um, yeah, on a smaller scale, they'll help us get to like a lot of the Canadian events, um, and then Tahoe at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, that was that was awesome for being able to travel around Canada and doing a bunch of the you know, more local races, but you didn't get to do like that super highly competitive ones in the States, like the U S championship series. So I only got to do one of those events. I did Palmerton this year. Was it because of just the expense of travel or was it because of school? Uh, both. Yeah. Uh, Collectively it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. It's expensive yeah. to get there. And just... <laughs> Are you almost done with school? Yeah. My last year. Excellent. You're in uh, the biomedical field, right? Um, yeah, my major is mechanical engineering, and then I'm, um, for my undergrad, I did biomedical engineering, too, um, but now for my master's, it's more on the mechanical side, still a little bit of biomedical. Is that, uh, is that the direction you want to take when you graduate? Yeah, I mean, I love it. It's super interesting. Um, I don't know exactly which field I'd want to go, to, go into when I graduate, but i um, keeping my eyes open now. Are you going to move to the States? Maybe. I was actually, yeah, I was just thinking about writing the FE exam. It's like the fundamentals engineering exam. So then I could go work in the States. I don't mean to be so heavy handed with uh, Austin here, guys, but just a lot of curious questions I have given that he's a foreigner. Dude, it's okay. Plus, like, you just got, you just got like, all the girls of OCR excited, Austin, because not only are you brawny, but you're also brainy, and you might move to the U.S. So, yeah, totally. It. <laughs> that match.com is going to be on fire when he gets over here, right? <laughs> <laughs> the kids use the OK Cupid and the Tinders and the Bumbles now. But... Yeah. Well, look at you. You know them. You know, here you're a you're a spoken for individual and you already know about all these different sites. So that, that I might... mean, I used that's how I met my fiance was was through one of the I met her through OK Cupid, man. It was kind of crazy. Okay, so here's the question. Did you keep that site live, like, after you guys hooked up? Uh, I mean, <laughs> for a little bit. Like, until it wasn't, a, you know, once we knew we were serious, like, it, I made a point on, on my profile, like, take it or whatever. But you can kind of, like, set your status on that whole thing. And so back in the day, it was like, once I knew I was serious, I, I made it a point to say, like, you know, I'm in a committed relationship or whatever. Yeah, I think it's hilarious, you know, I... I, I've never had a chance. Look at look where this conversation is going. We're going to go world toughest mother, and now we're talking about dating. But uh, I think it's really fascinating how all this shakes out now because I'm old school. Used to be, if I wanted to meet a girl, I would go somewhere and walk up and say, "Hey, what's up?" You know, or what, whatever freaking come online I could come up with to to try to you know stoke the fire, so to speak. But now it's all done digitally, right? And I have a friend right now that. He's into this right now, and he's he's older. So a he lies about his age. Okay, b b he uses pictures that are five or six years older than he is. No. And right, and so and so then when they meet, the the girl is doing the same crap. She's lying about her age. She's you know everything about what she portrays herself to be is not true. No, so it kind of cancels out. Oh man! And so what's really <laughs> funny is like he brings her on a date, and we're like having a group thing. So we we went out to brunch or something. There was a bunch of us, 
And we're all like grading the way she looks. We're, you know, grading the whole situation. But what's really interesting is like after a week or so that they've been, you know, dating or whatever, they're both, they both still got their hooks in the water <laughs> on these dating sites, right? So in other words, yeah, this is working out, but I ain't giving it up just yet, right? This has turned into yeah. an episode of Catfish. I know. I Seriously, know. this feels like Catfish. <laughs> like, we're, like there's about to be an intervention group oh, at friend's house and be like, we got to talk. So, well, there uh, was a wedding at World's Toughest, so, I mean, you know. There was! Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Je- uh, Jessica Sam got married. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So this... And, and sh- didn't Sharkbait yeah. get engaged? Melissa, I think Melissa got engaged, too. So that's, that's love is indeed in the air. So did they get... Did they get married before the race or in the middle of the race or after the race? I believe it was before the race. Sean Corvell was the uh, orator or how do you, how do you, I don't know. I don't know wedding stuff, but yeah, Sean Corvell did it. Austin, are you getting married soon? Not soon. Not soon. (laughs) (laughs) Very quick. Uh. (laughs) Rapid fire. Okay. World's toughest scene. Okay, let's try to re- let's try to rein this back to the conversation all right, all right. about world's toughest mutter. All right. Um, so you guys uh, came in second. Uh, Team USA number one apparently, the with the real A instead of the A, came in first. That was uh, Glenn Race's team, right? Yeah, Glenn, Chad, yeah. Woods, and uh, Mr. Brian Gawiski. Ah. Is that how you say? Yeah. And so how did you guys uh, fare with them? Were you guys pretty tight through, through, through the race? Um, Austin, do you want to take them? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we ran like the first lap with them. And then um, as the obstacles started to open up, they were pulling away a little bit. Um, their lead grew from like, I don't know, up to like 40 minutes in the middle of the night. And then it went down to like, I don't know, like seven or eight minutes. It got pretty close. And then I think yeah. it was Gawiski and um glenn i can't remember who he's with but they dropped like a super fast lap like 60 minutes or sub 60 minutes and then their lead grew back up to like 20 30 and then we just couldn't catch him i looked at the splits and it looks like your last lap you guys uh scorched that huh well okay so when you say our last lap do you mean our the lap where all four of us were running together or are you talking about the lap the two laps before that. All I know is I saw that your your average pace relative to the competition was significantly faster towards the very end of the race. Yeah, I mean, Mark Jones and I, like, when we knew that the sun was going to come up, we we kind of came up with the game plan to to just put the put the afterburners on and really go hard. And so we ran like a sixty one minute lap, and then. Um, Austin and the the plan was for Austin and Mendoza to fire back with the same way. Cause we, we, I think we actually, we came in way faster than they anticipated. So they weren't ready in the pit quite yet. So yeah. we lost maybe a couple minutes right there, but then they went out hard and um, there's just little, little hiccups with uh rope a dope and that kind of spread their lead out again. And then immediately after that, Jones and I ran like a, like a one, like a one Oh eight, um, you know, we were trying to be a little bit conservative because the plan was if we had the lead back down to under 10 minutes or like to around 10 minutes, then we would catch them either on our all together lap or on the lap just before that, you know. And so uh, it didn't quite work out that way. Like there was kind of a point where like the the online updates were a little off. So it said that they were only like a mile ahead of us. So we were just like running and running and running until one point in time, someone's like, oh, they crossed the finish line. And we're like, oh, OK, well, and then we just 
eased it back yeah. and just focused on on getting through it man because you know usually in the morning of the race it's like great because the sun's out and it's warm and you feel great and this time it was not that way it got like cloudy and like semi-windy and none of us were wearing wetsuits except for like austin and we were just miserable like just cold yeah. and miserable <laughs> just marching cool. out there yeah like we we had to be careful with getting um chris and and jones wet because they were just having a rough time with the water chris is pretty tough he's been out to see me a few times and uh he's tough I, I pounded on him pretty hard, and he takes it. He's a good guy. Yeah, got tons of love for him. Like, Plus, like, he's a Bruin. What? Yeah, I like Chris a lot. He's a, he's a good guy, no question. I'd like to get all four of you guys on. Just we just made the decision to pull the trigger on this yesterday, and I just started reaching out. I was very lucky to get a hold of Austin because you know his dating thing in school. It's just really tough to get a hold of him. <laughs> Dude, he's a hot commodity. <laughs> all the match.com yeah seriously yeah so you're not you don't have anything on the radar for next year just yet austin but if you were to put an a race on your list just off the top what would it be uh well wtm 2018 atlanta like i expect i'll be there and then uh spartan world champs where has that been announced where it's gonna be Mm, i don't think they've announced it yet the the okay, the rumors cool. are are Lake Tahoe yet again. So, bleh. you know the the thing about changing the venue on a world championship course, it really kind of messes things up because, well, let me give you a, a comparison that I know. You look at um, Ironman at Kona. When you are in world championships at Kona, you have years of comparison analysis to look at. And you look at the fastest course record, and then you have something to shoot against. Now, they keep changing the venue, then it's kind of hard. I mean, you could say, well, we won, and our time was X. But comparatively speaking, I don't know that you could say that it was better, worse, or indifferent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just don't know that changing the venue is a real smart thing to do. I don't think having a venue at elevation makes much sense when it comes to just like what the general year looks like. I mean, if you look, I don't know, man, if it, if it were, if I were the one making the decision on a world championship location, I think somewhere like Palmerton would be really good. Or like um, the, what is it? West Virginia or Virginia location. Like either of those two are good because they seem like a good blend as far as the terrain, the balance and elevation relative to the amount of like flat running that you can do. Like, I don't know. I, I like Tahoe. Don't get me wrong. I think it's cool. Um, but, uh, it also comes down to like places that are relatively easy to get to. And like those places, like on the East coast are, are much more accessible, but you know, it's not, uh, my decision. <laughs> I think they should have four championships. I think there should be the, uh, ultra. And I like that at altitude. I think they should have a super, and wherever you decide to have that, it's kind of a crapshoot. And then I think they should have a, a sprint course. And I think they should have a stadium course. Because I think that'd be great. Because I think it breaks yeah, down. Cool. Yeah, the type of individual athlete that you are. I mean, it's going to come down to that. I mean, right now, there's obviously there's guys that are hanging on to being pretty successful at the shorter distances and still be, being able to crush the longer races. But I just think there's going to be eventually specialists in the field, and and I think that the uh, 
the comparatives should be against other specialists. How do you feel about that, Austin? Yeah, that'd be cool to see instead of just, you know, having all these championship races leading up to like one extra long three hour event. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that if you had your druthers, you'd want to race at the ultra distance, right? Yeah. So it would be cool for you to be able to compete with guys that their focus is that distance. I don't know. I just for sure. Guys like Hunter, I don't, I don't like Hunter at that distance. I, I just think it's it's a sufferfest for him. He's he's more of a sprinter than he is anything else. Would you agree? Yeah. No, I do agree. I want to do TMX next year with him. Yeah? Everybody wants to do TMX because they want to get paid. Right? <laughs> yeah. Suddenly like... everyone's starting to special, want to specialize in the short distance stuff after yeah. seeing Yeah, 25 grand. Yeah. Well, and believe me, yeah. I, I have guys. I, I was training VJ yesterday, and I had VJ on the on the track yesterday. By the way, that kid is fast, man. He was he was blazing fast yesterday. I was surprised at how fast he was, but he was barking about doing TMX too. And I, I just looking at his spindly self and said, I don't know, VJ. <laughs> You'd have to pick up a little bit of weight before you do that that course. Yeah, start slamming some dumbbells or something. Shoot. Yeah, but you know, it's the it's the nature of it is. These guys are specialists. I mean, his thing is going to be short and fast. It's not going to be heavy lifting. I think he's too young, really, to look at long course uh, with any consideration of success. They just don't. It, I think it takes time to get the tenacity to go along like that, don't you? Yeah. I mean, when I started racing, I was big into the stadiums and I really loved them and did well in them. But I slowly started to like, love the long stuff and just the suffering and like the fact that to a certain degree like i wouldn't say that your athleticism goes out the window but it becomes like a lot more about the mental and like the your ability to to persevere and to tough it out versus like just strictly being like a very physical uh athlete you know which i think is really cool and and that's kind of hard to do when you're a younger athlete you know it's not you're not quite <laughs> quite such a big fan of pain i suppose or at least i wasn't until i got a little older so Austin, you're you're gonna try to stick to the longer course events next year, or are you gonna you're gonna be more diverse? Um, I think mostly long stuff, but I do want to switch it up a bit. Go TMS. You know, it's like it's really short, but it's really obstacle dense, which I like. Like I'm definitely not a fast mile runner, but I like doing obstacles back to back. Well, you're strong enough that you can contend with it, and I, I know that just looking at uh, Atkins at the TMX championship. He did pretty well for his weight, and I thought he was pretty proud of the fact that he was yeah. able to muscle through it pretty well. But it's definitely a uh, an event that's going to be geared towards a, a bigger guy, bigger, stronger guy. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. I guess there's the whole toughest series again next year too. So I'll yeah, get some of those. yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of them. I know. I, I was talking to Hunter, uh, and yesterday I think he was telling me that there's an event coming up. I think in March. Did you hear that? Yeah, I think that's the L.A. one again. Yeah, the L.A. one. Do you have any designs on trying to come out to L.A. for that? That would be cool, yeah. It's only like five months away. Maybe. Just got to get in the gym. Deadlifts. Clean and press. (laughs) That's right. Bicep curls. And then run. (laughs) So I got another question for you since it's kind of just came to my head. I'm assuming you guys, this this is kind of a global question. Anybody wants to touch on it, please do. I hear that uh, 
As a matter of fact, to the point, uh, Spartan cut a deal with 24-Hour Fitness. And they're planning to uh, integrate their SGX coaching in these facilities. And the reason I slowed down is because I just happened to be passing by a 24-Hour Fitness to go to the grocery store the other day with my wife. And I saw a truck out in front of 24 hour and they were unloading these big heavy ropes and, and uh, uh, Yokohama tires. <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah. So obviously the, uh, you know, the mandate is, mm. is set up and they're starting to outfit these places to be more conditioned to OCR training. What are your thoughts about the relationship with that organization? Does anybody have an opinion? I mean, I guess no. since, uh, go ahead, Austin. No, I was going to say, yeah, I heard a little bit about that, but uh, yeah, I'd say it's a pretty cool idea. Anyone that, you know, offers is getting so big, anyone that is into training that way, as soon as they see that at their gym, they're just going to like go nuts and fall in love with it. I just think it's pretty cool that we're finally seeing some direction, I suppose, as far as what training looks like for an obstacle race, as opposed to when this first all began, you know, people were just kind of winging it you know putting things together the best they could like when we first started training for these sort of events really competitively it would just be stupid amounts of crossfit and attempting to trail run and attempting to go onto the track and like put stuff together and just kind of like experimenting with trial and error and now that you know the sport is really taking much more taken much more of a mainstream uh approach if you will there's there's the opportunity for for just about anybody to get into it you know and and to really be able to to say like well i can train for this with a specific plan or with some specific direction you know and i i think that's pretty cool um i'm i'm just hoping that it doesn't end up watering down the events or watering down the quality of coaches that people run into if anything any thoughts sean yeah i mean you know it's interesting from the casualist perspective because obviously you know, you, you're thinking, and this, this time of the year, putting that out, this is kind of the, the, the time of the year where these gyms are going to get, you know, new clients, the new year and whatnot. And to bring this kind of cross training, you know, Spartan training for obstacle course racing, it's fun. And obviously if you bring this new dynamic into uh, a gym such as 24, I, I could see that being just an, an interest, peaking interest uh, from from just the casualist and then signing up for races. So I think it's smart from Spartan, but to Miguel's point, I could see that being an issue to where if it's on a coaching standpoint, you know, where these personal trainers are, are becoming coaches and the material gets watered down, we could have, you know, a, a problem on our hands when it comes to just training the right way for these things. Yeah, well, given that I used to own health clubs and – having relationships with owners of various clubs around the country, clubs that are high-end clubs, the more generic clubs. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't love 24-hour fitness. And my fear is they're going to take something that is uh, very specialized in training and it's going to get bastardized. I just think that you're going to get, like as Miguel suggested, You're going to get mediocre trainers that are going to be holding themselves up as OCR coaches and trainers. And it's the whole thing's just going to get watered down. And I would have liked to seen if they're going to cut a deal with an organization, I'd like to seen them cut a deal with, I hate to say it, but I guess maybe hook something up with CrossFit and 
So the CrossFit's kind of franchise oriented, so it's kind of hard to make money off a deal like that. A better organization might have been Lifetime Fitness. I think they do a much better job with programming than pretty much all the other health clubs in the country. But at the end of the day, I think the real move would have been to develop their own training systems and put together franchises and you know support guys that want to invest in a very specific facility for OCR and have quality coaches involved in that that are very specific where you don't like do a little bit of aerobic dancing and then just jump off a spinning bike and then go over and do uh, do some kind of OCR exercise. I, I don't know. I just to me it's like uh, I just hate to see it getting cheap. Does that sound, does that sound wrong? I mean, please tell me I'm I'm smoking no. crack. No, I think you're right. It, I, w- I would rather see the stuff in a CrossFit gym than I would in like a big box or like you said, like something that's maybe kind of more one of those um, auto gyms, if you will, like like Lifetime or Anytime where you can kind of just have the equipment there. And then from there, you can figure out what the programming would look like based on maybe having like preset workouts or working with coaches who actually specialize in it and know what they're talking about when it comes to obstacle racing. I, I hate to be like generalizing, but... I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think like a meathead who doesn't spend a, an hour of, of cardio a week should be teaching anybody how to run an obstacle course efficient. Well, look, I'm probably going to get some hate about that, but you got to realize care. that most of the certifications in the industry are something that can occur over a day. You know, you, you sign up for a course, you get the literature, you study up, you take a test and then bingo, you're, you're a certified coach or, or a trainer. I say this because I've done it. I've, been certified through most of the major organizations. NASM, I did that over, I signed up, looked at the literature, took the test, passed the test, didn't have to get in front of anybody to do it. I did that probably 10 years ago. Uh, And, you know, National Strength and Conditioning Association is a little bit more comprehensive, a little bit more education required. But um, I I just think that uh, this is a pretty technical sport. And I just hate to see, see the training get watered down. I just, I'm, I realize that part of it is just to indoctrinate more people, grow the sport. And there's value in that clearly when you open up to a big box like that. And yep. obviously enough, there's, there's a value in it for Spartan because 24 hour, it's a publicly held company. They probably made some big bucks off to that relationship, but uh, I don't know. I just, uh, at the end of the day, I'd like to, kind of find a silver lining. If it means that people are going to be more likely to get into the gym and make positive changes, healthy changes in their life, then I guess you can say that in that capacity, I'm all for it, man. Because personally, like the reason I got into obstacle course racing was because like the idea of just like doing a bunch of exercises or like the idea of just running on a treadmill for X amount of the time just seemed boring, you know, but like obstacle course racing makes things interesting because it's such a fluid sport. You know, the nature of the sport is fluidity and your ability to move through different uh, environments or different, different sort of spaces effectively and efficiently. And that's something that I, that, that made me fall in love with this. And that's why I keep doing it, you know, and, and why a lot of us, I think are, are enamored with it. So if it gives people the opportunity to fall in love with it the same way and, and hopefully, you know, make positive, healthy changes, and and so be it, I guess. Austin, given where you live, you, you run into some weather. What's the weather like where you are right now? Uh, snowy out. It's like minus 10 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is Fahrenheit. 
pretty cold. So, so I just hit a home run. I knew it was going to be crap. It's going to be cold. On the off season for you, you suggested hockey, and that's kind of cross training. That's kind of uh, your active recovery, so to speak. But do you go into a gym somewhere? Uh, yeah, the University of Alberta, the school I go to, has a um, really nice gym. They've got a climbing wall that I go to like, a couple times a week. Um, like outside of obstacle course training, like I mainly just do rock climbing. It's like my favorite thing to do all year round. Do they have an indoor track? Um, yeah, they do. It's like a 200 meter one though. Well, it's indoor. <laughs> it's better than right running outside and getting a frost bit while you're running. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you spend, what do you spend a couple days a week in the gym and then a couple days out playing hockey? Yeah, basically for the winter. Yeah, you need to move to California. You can try to get into um, like cross-country skiing more. Have you done it? Um, a little bit. My first experience ever doing it, I signed up for a race called the Berkey, where it's like a 55K cross-country ski race, and you have to carry like a 10-pound pack. Oh, no. And I died. I didn't know any technique. And yeah, it was awesome. That's harsh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why cross-country skiers have the highest VO2 scores of anybody in the world. Yeah. Those, yeah, those guys were nuts. The <laughs> top one, you know, the top athletes there were impressive. Yeah, I'll bet. So are you guys thinking do a team again next year and see if you can defend your second place and see if you can turn it into a first place, or are you guys going to try to do something different? Uh, I talked to the THQ, yeah. and they don't even know if the relay is going to happen next year or not. But, yeah, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> they made such a big deal about the relay they didn't even record they ah, man like i heard the live coverage was just the the individual race and then following jess and and uh superman around the uh, you know with with e-rock and coach um i mean we we haven't talked about it as a team personally i guess i'll, I'll say this i'm thinking about going individual just because my whole goal since 2014 is just to get 100 miles in this race like um if there's the option for two man team or four man team to do that and being on field the whole time to get that orange jacket, then I am happy to pursue that. Um, yeah, that's, that's the plan. I'm getting that, that darn orange jacket, no matter what, I don't care what place I finish in. How about you, Austin? You're going to go solo <laughs> or you're going to do a team? Um, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe give another crack at solo again. So you think there's a shot at anybody uh, getting upwards of 120 miles on that course? Yeah, that would be so course dependent. I was going to say, I shouldn't yeah, I say that course. Be like. <laughs> that course is over, yeah. right? ATL is going to be yeah. interesting. When when they're in Atlanta, I mean, that that is some muddy, slippery, wet, humid environment. And who knows what they're going to throw at us out there. Yeah, and it's going to be Atlanta? Yeah, it'll be it's, you know somewhere somewhere near Atlanta. Have you been to Atlanta? I mean, I've been to the I've airport been. and I've been... I've been just north. I've been, I ran one of my first races that I ever podiumed at was a superhero scramble. And it was in like Northern Georgia, um, in, you know, kind of the hilly sort of mountainy area. And it was, it was pretty cool. There was some pretty, pretty interesting terrain. It was pretty, I don't know. Yeah, it it gets humid and it the, gets real humid and they get weather. The South in the winter gets a lot of weather. I'm assuming they're going to do it the same time of year. Yeah, I think they're going to stick to, uh, yeah, to uh, so. sorry, November. It would make sense for them to stick to this time of year. 
well, it'll be uh, it'll be cool, but it you'll probably get rain. They get a lot of rain. My family lives in Alabama, Mobile. It's not too far from Georgia. And they get rain like you can't even believe the rain they get down there. And uh, it's it's very, very plush, The how green it is all the time. Coming from California, you know that we live in this drought-ridden mess. And it's always kind of dry and parched and whatever. But, man, you get out there and it's just green. So it's kind of a cool place, I think, relative to being in the desert. I think the desert has some charm given that it's just so, uh, so uh, desertish, right? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it, you definitely you can definitely appreciate the terrain that you get to run on in the desert. You know, even though it's rocky and rough, um, it's pretty it's pretty manageable for running that kind of distance. You know, running in in Atlanta or I guess in Georgia, wherever they they send us, it's going to be a mess. You know, it's going to be a muddy clay filled mess. And the temperatures, I guess, won't be, won't be too different. It's just going to be more humid. But I mean, like I know right now it's like what in the fifties and it'll be like low of forties, but like you said, it can rain. And I guess we won't have to worry about wind at least assuming there's no, no hurricanes. There won't be, <laughs> well, they're not November, but there won't be uh there won't be the need of a wetsuit. That's for sure. That's going to be a big change. You're going to go into that race as you would any other race. You're not going to wear a wetsuit. That's my, my guess. That's what we thought this year with the relay. And then it turns out that that wetsuit came in pretty handy because all that time, all that downtime, your body would like cool down and stuff. So we were like stripping in and out of dry clothes and putting the wetsuit on like right before we were going to go out. And it was rough, man. <laughs> the relay. Yeah, I got the relay. Too. Yeah, dude. I mean, I was kind of talking to some folks about what I describe this race as. And if you're a thoroughbred like like our four man team versus a bunch of quarter horses like the other team USA, it was definitely a a rough race as far as that's concerned, man, because we're all much better if it would just be a consistent 24 hours of time on feet versus getting time to rest. You know, Our, our bodies were ready for it and it's too bad that they dumped the two man, but maybe they'll bring it back next year. So wait a minute, you guys, you just uh, dissed the other team, calling them quarter horses. You said, no, what? they're. Fa- are you kidding me? Quarter horses are fast as hell, man. Versus but, thoroughbreds. Yeah, which I mean, That's shoot, like thoroughbreds aren't really nearly as fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it just to me, it sounded like you were like, wait a minute, we're the shit, and you guys are like the uh, plow horses and. Anyway. No, not at all. It's just, it's just a different, it's a different specialization. Like we were talking about that whole idea. I mean, those, you know, Ryan and Brian and Chad and Glenn and Chad, they're all super fast dudes, man. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, the potential of it being a different outcome, if it would have been four men on the field for 24 hours, I think it could have been a much, a much different outcome. I think they should yeah. put a quarter of a million dollars <clears throat> on first place, you gotta you gotta pull down 110 miles, and then put seventy five thousand dollars on two man team, and you got to do the same thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm game. Let's bring some awesome. cash. That'd be to awesome. It. Bring some cash to the table. It definitely felt like a slap in the face, and th- and they were saying like that the money's being redistributed or something like that, and it was like there was no, there was really no increases in in any of the money as far as the relay was concerned. Yeah, the relay prize money stayed the same. Yeah, we we exactly the relay prize money stayed the same. Like the only difference was now that um, two man teams were eligible for 
first place or for individual prize money or something like that. And I don't know, man, it was goofy. It <sighs> sounds like they saved so, some money to me. That's exactly. I think they that just money, didn't want that money want probably to went. Pace. That money probably went to a partnership with Lifetime Fitness. <laughs> probably. Aren't they doing a, co- a a gym thing now too? Isn't uh, yeah. I, I remember uh, Tough Mudder is going to be doing like a gym gym partnership as well. Well, that's what I I was listening to the commentators talking to uh, what's his name, the guy that owns the thing, Will uh, Will Dean. Will Dean, yeah, he was saying that they're going to open up some some training facilities, and I think see that I think that's the way to do it. I was really open up their own facility. Yeah, I was really kind of surprised that um, that Spartan didn't do that. I mean, there was scuttlebutt a couple years ago about that, and it just kind of fell apart. They have, yeah, they opened one facility in In like Miami, Miami, some in some high end hotel, and it's like, oh, that's not really like the place to do it, man. Like, they're a New England based company. If they would have opened like the Spartan Race Gym in like Boston, Massachusetts, or something like that, it would have taken. I don't know why they didn't do that. Well, is what it is. I, you know, I was involved in some of that conversation with uh, Joe DeSena early on. He asked me if I was interested in being involved in it, and I thought it was killer. I thought, wow, what an opportunity, ground floor, to get involved in you know setting up these franchises around the country. And I thought that was the direction that they needed to take. And what you do is you basically sanction a club owner based on the, the required amount of square footage and, you know, the venue needs to be set up a certain way, just like a McDonald's, right? It's got to look like this. This is what you get, you know, your licensing rights to use our logo, blah, blah, blah. This is what your staff needs to be able to conduct and even set up the pricing structure for, for membership and whatever and let these guys roll with it. I think it would have rocked, but yeah. it just never happened. If Tough Mudder's yeah. smart, they do something very similar mm-hmm. to that. From what I understand, that's what they're doing, hopefully. What you do is you just back up about, uh, oh, I'd say about a 5,000-square-foot facility up against a mountain somewhere where, where the majority of everything you do is done outside. Have a big backyard training facility, and uh, what you cut down on the rent, rock it out. Getting me all kinds of excited. Yep. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> It'd be so great. <laughs> well, maybe we should build uh, one. Let's do it. Build our own franchise, right? Yeah. game people would come i'm in i'm sure yeah it just take a lot of money maybe we'll do it in canada there you go there you yeah. go you know what i mean because you guys you know you guys are you're stuck in the winter time it'd be a hit you want a health club <laughs> you gotta you gotta build health clubs wherever it gets it snows that puts people inside that's right definitely need a hot right, tub or a sauna there look for real estate all right yeah, and then with all that medical money you're making, we, we'll have uh, our seed money <laughs> by then. <laughs> yeah. All right. all right, so we're getting ridiculous here. Let's. Uh, I want you guys to maybe just offer up the, the burning thing in your heart relative to the events you just participated in, what you want people to know about what you did, what they did, and just, you know, your, uh, what do you call it, the uh, State of the Union address post- event i'll give you both like uh, a few minutes to kind of rock that out austin you go first because you're canadian all right sure um i mean world stuff is 2017 was freaking amazing on so many levels just running with those guys it's like the last lap was so fun for me because we were all 
all hurting kind of in a different way. Some of us were bonking, some of us were cold, and some of us were just like could barely move up the hills. And yeah, it was just awesome pushing each other and running as a team and having a close battle with the other Team USA. I mean, thought we were going to catch them for a while. We were getting fired up and getting closer, and then they dropped the hammer and pulled away. So it was it was exciting. Team Germany went out flying, and um, we thought they would die, and they did. So um, yeah, it was just all around amazing event thanks to uh jim campbell goat tough um sponsoring the team and i'm really thankful that he got team canada patches for us to put on which was awesome um each of us had a little canadian patch on the front of our bibs um and then to the pit crew that we had they were all just rock stars like best pit crew of all time um they made running 24 hours like as easy as possible (laughs) and yeah just awesome seeing everyone there Miguel uh I'm going to echo a lot of what Austin had said as far as being so thankful for our amazing pit crew man like Fern and Ben Pina and Kyla and Chris Mendoza's parents were just amazing man they they treated us like kings and they took amazing care of us and I can't be thankful enough for for getting to spend quality time with them you know in the pit when we were there Otherwise, um, you know, big, big thanks to the people that helped get us there and get us together as a four man teams, Jim Campbell from Goat Tough, uh, Eat Elite, Carbo Pro. And just in general, uh, I'm really, really happy to have been able to team up with these three other gentlemen. You know, I, I feel like I've, I've gone beyond just making friends. I've made some brothers and I'm, I'm really fortunate to be able to say that I got to race with, with Austin and with Chris and with, and with Mark. And I wish we could have been together more on that course you know as like a strict four-man team but uh it was great you know this was a hell of a way to cap off a, a year of rebuilding as an athlete and i'm really excited to to go into 2018 you know just fired up and ready to kill it so it's gonna be a lot of fun cool and chris thanks for the sweet flag man <laughs> that thing was awesome yeah, I love thank that you flag. Chris. <laughs> that was an amazing flag like awesome i think we, honestly i think we need that flag we need you know this this uh Stars and Stripe thing, it's been around for a long time. We need to include a, a, a maple leaf and just kind of combine the thing. Maybe it's better for tax structure. And, you know, now that I'm going to be taking Medicare very soon. Oh, are you are you becoming a socialist? Dude, they're going to, they're going to give me Uh-oh. Medicare. I'm taking it. Uh-oh. Turn to 65. <laughs> <laughs> you got, what do you want me to do? Say, oh, no, not for me. Yeah. I'm going to pay for my medication. All right, all right. I'll I'm take just, I'm just, I'm taking socialist. stock. That's all. Yeah, you, I'm a socialist. Are you kidding me? Now you are. You're just yeah. taking Medicare, man. What's Dude. up with that? Well, you know, I pay taxes, right? <laughs> all right, fair I, enough. You know, I invested so you, in you, that crap. I'm not taking. You did. My, you I'm did not, pay into. I'm not into taking a social, social assistance program. <laughs> I'm not taking uh, Social Security yet, and I could do that. <laughs> yeah, you Medicare and Scott. It's crazy. We're about to get we're we're about to get political right now. We need we need some drinks and some cigars. It's I'm the a, only way that this. Is I'm going. about to go change my diaper right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look at guys. Before I close this down, a couple things I'd like to put out. All right. For us, you know, Natural Running Network, we're a little, a little over five years deep now in putting out these podcasts every week. Five years. Over 300 and some odd episodes have been put out weekly. 
And we decided that it might be fun to just kind of do like a contest where people write in through social media and say, I thought this was the best episode or I thought this was the most informative episode. And we're going to kind of go through those and select them and we're going to select some people and we're going to give away some free stuff. So one of the things we're going to do is I'm actually going to give away some gold packages to the uh, OCR running camps we do. That's that's 500 bucks, okay? If you ever thought about attending one of these clinics and you didn't do it because it was 500 bucks, well, guess what? If you if you do the right thing by this and you and you stick to it, there's a good shot that you might get a free slot for one of these events. And basically, you could pick which, whichever one we, we put on around the country. And there will be a lot of different venues around the country next year. And then... We're also going to give away the silver and the bronze packages, which um, worst case scenario, bronze package, that's 175 bucks. I'm giving it away. And Human Octane, who's been our partner throughout the season, they make amazing uh, OCR gear. They're coming out with some really bitchin' tights and just some really nice stuff for 2018. We're going to give away a bunch of gift certificates. So... You know, the worst thing that can happen to you is maybe you get a $50 gift certificate towards the purchase on a product with those guys. You may end up getting both. You might get a free entry into the clinic and, and, and a gift certificate. So that's going to be, uh, we're going to announce the winners next week. And I'm going to try to put together a show where we get little excerpts of some of the shows I thought were really cool. And on that thread, Austin, if you're inclined, in January we're doing this clinic out this way. If you want to come and play with oh, us, sweet. we'd love to have you out, man. You know where I live. You That'd know, be awesome. You know yeah. I, I could cook up some <clears throat> badass salmon and I serve up the wine, right? Oh, hell yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, uh, we'd love to have you out. So it's going to be uh, January... Oh, my God. Am I going to screw this? I think it's January 12th, 13th, 14th, something like that. But if you're, okay. interest, if you're interested in coming out, let me know, and I'll see what I can do about hooking up a place for you to crash. And uh, love to have you out. Get a VO2 on you and things like that. Cool. That'd be fine. I'll keep that in mind. I'm trying to get Miguel to show up, but he keeps giving me all this crap about, oh, i got to see if I can get a sponsor to pick up the airfare. Dude. Dude, I'm gonna look, look. Don't, don't be, don't be dumping on the sponsors. All right, it'll happen. Don't, don't you worry. I'll just show up out of the blue. All right. Okay. Well, guys, I'll thanks. Be there. Thanks so much, and congratulations on your win. I'm glad you guys finally pulled that out. Got a little bit of cash out of those guys. Those cheapskates. They hooked you up anyway. <laughs> awesome work, guys. I'm just, I'm just Thank having you very much. I'm just having fun with tough. Thanks mother. for having us. Couldn't have done it without you, man. Period. Like all the running form help that you've given me over the last two years, it just it's just paid out dividends. Yeah. So thank well, you. I did it for you, man. I did it for you. That's love. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Sean, any parting statements, Sean? No, I mean, uh, to Rich's point, uh, we're giving away some great stuff. So make sure that you know you look at our posts and comment on the uh, things. We'd love to hear from you and uh, all the best. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. 
And until then, you have an amazing day.